go, guys. I tell you what, uh, Al, uh, as much as I hate being away from the uh, assembly uh, today, actually Al and I are at an event in Nashville, uh, but we do have a special speaker today, Washbury Road, and Al, I think he has some uh, connections here, doesn't he? So he's a legacy uh, to Washbury Road, uh, grandmother Polly Gilbert. And uh, so, I th- in fact, I think Polly's the one that first introduced me to Gilbert. Uh, years ago, he was in college. I think he was trying to do an internship. And so we passed yeah. this bucket. How many times did you pass this bucket oh, for Gilbert? Every Wednesday night at peak of the week, we passed it. So, Gilbert, we're expecting you to give a big check today <laughs> to <laughs> now pay forward uh, all the money that we supported you. No, not really. Uh, we are so excited Gilbert and Kate and their family are here today. He is a wonderful preacher, one of my favorites. Uh, you're going to be blessed today, and we're we're blessed to have him here today, filling in for us. And I hate missing him, I, I, uh, because uh, well, we won't. We'll watch it on uh, the live stream too. But uh, Gilbert, thank you so much. Gilbert's been preaching, the preaching minister at the Overland Park uh, Church in uh, Kansas City. And so, uh, Gilbert, I'm grateful that you could have the time to come down and to preach to us. I remember the last time you were here and preached; it was just awesome. So I know our church family is going to have a great day and a great sermon uh, thank you for being with us so you remember what i told you remember what i taught you all those years ago Gil, when you were young if you hadn't struck oil in 20 minutes quit boring <laughs> all right so i'll greet you here in a minute and i'll say some nice things about you but first i need you to help me figure something out so like mike and alan my life is spent interpreting things, right? I mean, that's what I do as a preacher. I interpret scripture and try to figure out ways to teach it. I also, as a preacher, interpret people, uh, interpret life, and then try to figure out how that fits with scripture. But I'm having a hard time interpreting this, okay? The two guys who invited me to come preach, one, a mentor of mine who took me under his wing when I was fresh out of college, the other, someone I've just grown to love and respect, Mike and Alan, they asked me to preach, and then they leave. (laughs) And I can only interpret two different ways with that, right? One is either they really trust me, or the other, they see the ship going down, and they've decided I'm, I'm bailing ship. I don't want to be there when it goes down. So I don't know which way to interpret that. You can help me a little later figure that out. But I, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I bring you greetings from Overland Park, Kansas. Um, this church, as Alan mentioned, uh, this church uh, has a special place in my heart. Um, it has impacted my family in small ways and big ways. Uh, my grandparents come to this church. Uh, Holly and C.M. Gilbert, my grandfather passed away a number of years ago. My grandmother's still here. And, uh, my mom and dad were married at this church, right? Out in Howard, they married you, right? Uh, married you. And I was born here in St. Francis Hospital, came here till I was four years old. Um, you've taken them down, but you, ha- you used to have these crazy shapes that were terribly cruel to children because I thought they were puzzle pieces that fit together. And so all through service, I would try to figure out how those pieces fit together. And it took me a long time to realize they don't. Um, so that, that was a cruel joke that somebody played on children. Um, like I said, about 20 years ago, straight out of college, I decided to go into ministry. I had to raise my own support. Um, I didn't know Alan. My grandmother talked to Alan and got us connected. Alan took me under his wing, brought me here. I would go to his house and 
sit at their dining room table and eat lots of Lisa's good cooking. Um, I would come here and he let me teach a class I've preached here before. Y'all pass the buckets for me. Uh, that's been really cool. Uh, back when my grandfather died, Missy Robertson sang at his funeral. Um, there's just lots of little ways uh, and big ways that this church has impacted my family. And so I'm grateful for you. You hold a special place in my heart. Um, I, I think very highly of you. And I, I think very highly of um, Alan and Mike and, and so many others on staff that I've gotten to know over the years. It's been a long time since I've been here, though. Um, there's a lot that's changed here. Um, I know this is like a fairly recent thing, right? The, the chairs. I remember like trying to sleep on the pews over there whenever I would come as a little kid laying out on the pews. Um, but there's a lot that's changed around here. And it's really cool to be here this morning. Uh, I, I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored that Mike and uh, Alan would ask me to come and, and speak. Uh, I guess it worked out well for them um, because they had some place to go or something. I don't know. I, uh, back in Overland Park, where I've been preaching for about five years now, um, I've been working through a series called Nothing Minor. And it's a series where I'm preaching one sermon from each of the twelve minor prophets. And, uh, you know, the minor prophets are the twelve last books of the Old Testament. One of the primary purposes of this sermon series for, uh, for me and for the church where I'm at is to remind us that there's really nothing minor about the minor prophets, right? We, we call it, they, they, they suffer an unfortunate name. But there's nothing minor about them. As a matter of fact, they have very major messages. And they're timely. And they're relevant. They speak to us today about things that are going on in our lives. And my very first sermon from that series was focused on probably my favorite minor prophet, Hosea. And I liked it so much. Uh, I liked the book so much. And I liked preaching that sermon so much. I thought, I'm going to preached that sermon at White's Ferry Road. And so um, we're, we're going to be in Hosea today. Hosea is probably one of the better known minor prophets, primarily because it tells a really compelling story. Right. Uh, if you if you know anything about the minor prophets, a lot of them are speeches or sermons that the minor prophets uh, would go around and, and speak. And sometimes they're really hard to follow. But Hosea is different because Hosea starts with this really cool story. And we all love really good stories. Amen? Some of the better known parts of the Bible are stories. They're narratives, right? The the Exodus, Noah, David and Goliath, the prodigal son, the good Samaritan, on and on. You go, some of the most memorable parts of Scripture are stories because everybody loves a good story. So I remember preaching my very first sermon ever. It was my uh, sophomore year of college. It was summer. I was doing an internship for a little church in Miami, Florida. And for the life of me, I can't tell you what my sermon was about. I don't remember anything about that sermon. But I remember at the very end of the sermon, this lady came up to me and she said, I will never remember anything that your sermon's about, but I'll always remember that story you told. Thanks. I didn't know if that was a compliment or a criticism, um, but it does go to show that stories, they stick with us. They stick with us and, and they make an impact. Everyone loves a good story. 
And believe me, if you are not familiar with Hosea's story, it's a good one. So, why don't we look at the first part of Hosea's story. I'm going to be reading Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. The text will actually be up on the screen if you want to follow along up there. I'm actually leaving, reading from the New Living Translation. I, I like the way it tells the story. Starting in verse 2, it says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, He said to him, Go and marry a prostitute, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Deblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, Name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Soon, Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Name your daughter Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. After Gomer had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. For Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. So, Hosea is told right off the bat, by God, go marry a promiscuous woman or a prostitute, as some translations say, and right off the bat, it's already a compelling story. Are you with me? Right off the bat, it's a compelling story. And then God tells him, after telling him to marry this woman, he then says, go, the NIV says, go have children with her. But that's not really what the text is saying. It's not just that he's supposed to go marry this promiscuous woman and have children with her. I like the New Living Translation. It says, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. It's not just that he's supposed to marry this woman and have children with her, but it's he's supposed to marry her and some of the children will not be his. Some of the children will be a product of her promiscuity. Some of the children that he's supposed to raise will be a product of her unfaithfulness. Will be a product of her prostitution. They will not all be his. And so out of the three children, we're really only told that the first one is his. We're told that she conceived his son. But then the next two, it doesn't really sound like the next two are actually his. As a matter of fact, the second of those last two is given the name Lo-Ami, which means what, church? Not mine. Not my people. The second child is, I don't know if it's a worse name, it's Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. But that third child is named Lo-Ami, which means not mine not my people. And so Hosea is living out this terribly heartbreaking story 
He's married to this prostitute or this promiscuous woman. She is unfaithful throughout the entire marriage. She's becoming pregnant by other men. And Hosea is left at home to raise them. Can you imagine living Hosea's life? So the name of the woman is Gomer. And in chapter 2, we're told of Gomer that she keeps running after other lovers and selling herself to them. But then what happens, and this happens a lot, right, is once she chases after these other lovers, she gets out there and then realizes, you know what, my life was actually better off with Hosea. And so she turns around and goes back to Hosea. They reconcile. But then it's not long before she goes back into her same pattern and she goes off chasing after other lovers again. And then she gets out there and realizes, you know, my life was better off with Hosea. And over and over and over, the pattern repeats itself. What a terrible life to live. What a terrible existence for Hosea. The whole time he's remaining faithful. The whole time he longs for his bride to come home. And throughout this whole crazy sham of a marriage, God says, this is really what it's like between me and my people. This is really what it's like between me and my people. Hosea, in some way, represents God. Gomer, in some way, represents Israel. Gomer, um, or Israel, like Gomer, is in this pattern of unfaithfulness. Israel, like Gomer, is an adulterer and unfaithful. And God, like Hosea, is the jilted lover waiting at home for his bride to return. And so Hosea's story becomes this living, breathing illustration of what it's like from God's perspective, from God's eyes, to be in a covenant relationship with us. It's this living, breathing illustration of what it's like from God's perspective to be in a covenant relationship with people who have no intentions of keeping the covenant, who are unfaithful, who are constantly breaking their vows. God says, this is what it's like for me. And one of the most heartbreaking lines in all the story of Hosea is where Hosea says that Gomer went out to look for other lovers, but forgot all about me. I think the NIV says, but me, she forgot. To be forgotten. You know, there's not much more in this world that is more painful than being forgotten by someone you love dearly. I don't know if there's a worse pain than that, than being forgotten by someone you love dearly. I've heard people tell stories, heartbreaking stories of loved ones that are suffering from Alzheimer's, right? And here's this person that you love so dearly that you're in a relationship with and they sit next to you with blank stares and glossed over looks, oblivious to who you are. Memory's gone. You've been forgotten. There are a few things in this world that's more painful than being forgotten by someone you love. Just ask any child who's running through the grocery store crying because they can't find their mom and they think their mom has what? Okay, I put out a blank there for you to fill in. 
I've been in my church for five years now. I still have to do this. I still have to remind them. I put out a blank. You fill it in. So a child is running through the grocery store, crying their eyes out because they think their mom has what? Left them. Forgotten them. Ask that child if there's anything more painful than being forgotten. To be forgotten is a terrible position to find yourself in. And we're not just talking about, you know, someone you meet occasionally and you forgot their name. We're talking about someone that you are in a deep covenant relationship with. That you are bound to. What a sad position to find yourself in. Someone once said, the worst feeling isn't being lonely. But it's being forgotten by someone you would never forget. The worst feeling is not being lonely. It's being forgotten by someone you would never forget. And that's precisely how Hosea feels. It's precisely how God feels. As this living, breathing illustration of God and His relationship with His people. And so all of this leads us to chapter 3. This is really where I wanted to go. Kind of build all this up to get us to chapter 3. By this point in the story in chapter 3, Gomer has almost completely left Hosea. She's now living with another man. Hosea is left at home raising children that are not his own. He's forgotten. And we read these words. And the Lord said to me, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Hold on to that last part. We'll get to that in a minute. Go. Go. It's it's the great commission command, right? It's it's, it's a command you find all through Scripture. Go. It's Jonah's command. Go. All throughout Scripture we're called to go. God never wants us to be static. Be in one spot. Go. God says, go show your love to her again, even though right now she is with another man. Even though right now she's loved by another man. Go. Go show you, go show her your love. Go win her back. Go woo her again. And I, I'm afraid that so often we miss the shock of this command. Okay, so did you know that in Deuteronomy 24, there is a command that says that if there is a man and a woman that are married, and then for some reason they get a divorce, that woman goes off and marries another man, and for some reason that ends up in a divorce, it is actually unlawful for the first husband to take that woman back to be his bride again. And I want you to think about that a little bit as you think about the story of Hosea and what God is calling Hosea to do. It sounds like it's possible that some sort of divorce has taken place. We don't know that for sure. But earlier in chapter two, there is a place where Hosea says, she is not my wife and I am not her husband. Now, scholars say, well, he could be saying that kind of like we're not really living like a real husband and wife should live. Some other scholars say, well, That could be true, but also what he says there sounds like it echoes ancient divorce records. That he's declaring that this marriage is over. 
that the marriage is no more. And in chapter 3, she's now living with another man and God says to Hosea to do what? Go take her back. Go get her. Go win her over again. Go show her your love. Go woo her. Take her back and be in a relationship with her again. Why would God say this? Because this is how much God loves us. Because this is how much God loves His people. Because this is, again, supposed to be this living, breathing example or illustration of God's love for His people. And I want to say something that's going to sound a little scandalous, but guess what? This is the perk of being a guest preacher. I can say something scandalous and then I'm leaving. Mike and Alan come back and fix my stuff. But I want you to listen to something because I, I, I know it's probably going to sound scandalous, but I believe it to be true. I believe it's something that Hosea teaches us. It's something that we also find some other places. God loves His people so much that He's willing to break His own command to be with us. God's love is greater than His law. That didn't get enough amen, so I'm going to say it again. God's love is greater than His law. God's love is greater than His law. God's love is greater than our hearts that condemn us, wherever the the gentleman is that did the communion comments. God's love is greater than His law for us. And He loves us so much that He's willing to break His own commands to be with us. And so he calls Hosea to go back to win her again, even though this is something that Scripture has said you're not really supposed to do. I'll let Mike and Alan fix that. And then God says something to Hosea that sounds rather ridiculous. The whole time God is trying to show Israel how much He loves them, all Israel is really concerned about is what? Their raisin cakes. Does that sound stupid? I think it's, as humorous as it sounds, I really think it's a sad commentary on humanity. You know, raisin cakes are a pretty petty thing to love. And I know that there's probably some more depth to this. These raisin cakes probably are referring to some kind of pagan worship practice. But I I just, I think there's something humorous about the simplicity of the statement. God loves Israel. Israel loves raisin cakes. How completely pathetic. How completely petty, but let's be honest, how completely true. Are we really that petty? Some of you are pointing at people that are. Don't do that. I guess it could be said of anything, right? God loves you. What do you love? God's chasing after you. What are you chasing after? God gives you His heart. What are you giving your heart to? Could it be wealth? Could it be status? 
Could it be someone else? Could it be yourself? Could it be raisin cakes? When I preached this in Overland Park, somebody said, we've got to get rid of the raisin cakes thing. Maybe like Little Debbie's or something. <laughs> I'm with them because I don't do raisins either. But you see, the story of Hosea and Gomer is really the story about God and us. That He pursues us. That He loves us. And yet, we spend our time chasing after other loves. We give our attention to other gods in our lives. We forget Him. But then guess what? We repeat the pattern of Gomer, right? We, we get out to this place where we've forgotten God. We're chasing after other loves. And then... We realize, you know what, I was better off with God. And so then we go back and we seek His forgiveness and His reconciliation and, and we receive that, we receive that renewal in Him and that redemption, that reconciliation, the forgiveness. And then it's just a matter of time before we forget about Him all over again because life's going well. We go off chasing after other loves again. We get out there chasing after these other lovers. We realize what? We were better off with God to begin with. We go back to God. And over and over, the pattern repeats itself. You've been in that cycle before? Am I the only one? Over and over, the pattern repeats itself. Like Hosea, God is the jilted lover. Like Gomer, we are the unfaithful spouse. God loves us. We love raisin cakes. Which brings us to the Gospel in Hosea. Did you know you could find the Gospel in Hosea? Well, you can. The very next line says, So I bought her. So I bought her. Now, scholars are not real sure what this is referring to. It could be, uh, a wedding dowry, which was very common during that time. A wedding dowry was a wedding fee that you paid the, the father of the bride. Could be that he's paying that. Or it could be, as some scholars suggest, that um, this is some sort of debt that Gomer had found herself in. It's possible she owed a debt to the man that she's currently living with, and that's why she's living with him, is to pay off this debt. And if this is true, then Hosea is paying her debts. Which sounds an awful lot like an old hymn that I know that Whitesford Road has sung many, many times. He paid a debt he did not owe. Because I owed a debt I could not pay. And the hymn's not talking about Hosea and Gomer, it's talking about Jesus, right? Jesus' death on the cross was payment for a debt that we owed, right? Two times in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, You were bought with a price. Church, you were bought for a price. Other places in the New Testament say that Jesus' death on the cross was payment for a ransom. And what we're doing is we're getting a glimpse in, in Hosea of the gospel message. That Hosea bought her back. That he paid whatever fee was necessary to, to bring her back into a marriage covenant with him. Hosea paid Gomer's debt. He paid a debt that he did not owe because Gomer owed a debt she could not pay. But church, this isn't about Hosea and Gomer. It's about God and you. It's about God and me. And we find ourselves in the story 
And we remember that we were bought. That there's a debt that we could not pay. There's nothing we could do to pay it. But guess what? The good news is we don't have to. Because it's already been paid. On your behalf. It's been paid. And so maybe, well not maybe, I know for a fact, there's gomers all in this church because I'm one of them. Right? I'm a gomer. I chase after other loves. I forget about God. I go out there and I'm chasing after these other things. And I realize, man, my life was so much better off when I was back with God. And I go back to Him and He takes me back in. He, he redeems me, He renews me, reconciles me. And then I start the pattern all over again. Some of you raise your hands. I know you're there. I know we got a bunch of gomers in here. I know we got a bunch of gomers in that other room over there. You've been bought. You've been bought. The debt you owe has been paid. And so maybe today you realize, you know, I am Gomer. I am Gomer, and it's time for me to go back. It's time for me to to confess that, man, I was much better off when I was with God. I know there's a bunch of people here that will surround you in prayer. Your shepherds will, will pray over you. Maybe there's someone here today who says, you know what, I've never laid claim to the payment that was paid on my behalf. You've never entered the waters of baptism. You've never participated in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You've never participated in the payment plan. Today, you want to lay claim to that. I know there's people here that would love to enter into the waters of baptism with you and do that with you, walk with you in that journey. If there's anything at all that this church can do for you to pray over you, then let them know as we stand, as we sing.